Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that harkens back to the days of mixtapes, parachute pants, and Frankie Says Relax. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is James Conroe, another one of the uh, journeyman pipe smokers, uh, those that made it, you know, the five to ten year guys, so we get to talk to him. And then music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, remember, if you listen on uh, Stitcher, Stitcher is going away, so find yourself a new app. Yeah, find yourself a new app to listen on. Uh, if you're on Spotify, please leave us a rating or a review. I'm not sure what's possible over there. And on uh, Apple Podcasts, do that rating and review thing. Yeah, please, please, please. Much appreciated. And uh, as we're speaking right now, uh, I'm uh, tomorrow I'll be packing up and heading up to uh, Columbus, Ohio on Thursday for the NASPC show. Hope to see a lot of you there. I will have a, a, tab- a table. Dave and I will be uh, sharing a, a half table uh, for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. So come by, see us, say hi. I'm bringing some of the hats to sell. They'll be $15 at the show. And uh, VegasPipeShow.com is where you go to register for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. And remember, prices do go up uh, September 10th. So do that soon. All right. A big show, big show this week. So let's get the show rolling. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Houston, we have a problem. We copy. State the nature of your emergency, please. Houston, we're out of pipe tobacco up here. We copy. Stand by. The flight director recommends visiting tinbids.com. The Pipe Collector's Auction Site. You copy? Roger, Houston. Stand by. We're looking into it. Okay, we're on 10 bids now. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories. Is that correct? That's affirmative. That's 10bids.com. Okay, Houston. We've secured our tobacco. Now, how do we get it up here? Um, stand by. We're working on a solution. Visit TinBids.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction Site, and sign up for free today. We have liftoff. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool-smoking corncob pipes, colonial-area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker in the Pipe Part segment is the pipe maker of J. Allen Pipes, Jeff Grasick. Jeff, welcome back to the show. 
Well, hey, Brian, thanks for having me back. I know you were kind of waiting for me to say something snarky, but I didn't. So I just surprised you there. Not huh? this time. Yeah. You left that one off the uh, off the recording. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the cutting room floor. All right, Jeff, here's your question. Uh, this comes in from Jason, and it says, uh, I'd like to ask Jeff a rather esoteric question. Well, Jeff's perfect for esoteric. Uh, says, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you an esoteric answer. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Jason. Yeah. Uh, what is he looking to achieve as a pipe maker moving forward? What keeps pushing him forward? Having met Jeff for the first time in Chicago, he seems like a positively nice person who makes an outstanding product. So it might be interesting to get his take as someone who's darn near the top of the pipe making mountain. Wow. Now that your ego has been built up because you're darn near the top of the pipe making mountain. Um, uh, Jeff wants to know what, what's driving you uh, besides let, let's forget the mortgage and forget the braces. Yeah. Oh, oh, forget the mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you've just taken a big part of it out. <laughs> I mean, what is, you know, look, I, I think there's other jobs that you could probably get or do maybe, you know, video production or whatever, you know, you, cause your videos are top notch. You, you could probably be doing something else that would generate more, uh, more income and you know, you might be around people, which might be scary for yeah. you. Um, what keeps you motivated as a pipe maker? What, what's the push? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, that's a super good question. Um, I, you know, there, I, there are a lot of things that, you know, keep me inspired keep me interested in pipe making um the first of all uh, for, first of all it's that you know i really love the community i love being part of the community and engaging with you know pipe smokers collectors other pipe makers at shows or you know um at other times throughout the year um the so the community is a really big part of it you know i could move on to some other kind of nine to five job but you know, I wouldn't have the ability to engage with the community in the same way. Um, I really like the creative aspect of it. Uh, even if I'm making a billiard, each billiard is a little different than the one that came before it. And you have to try to find a block that, that you know, it makes sense inside of. And then, you know, you, you see each block of briar, you see kind of like the past library of shapes that you've created mm -hmm. and there are always new possibilities or new variations that lie within that. And that's exciting. That's exciting to be able to imagine something and then attempt to realize it, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis. One of the unique pleasures of this business is that I am um, every day when I get done with work, I have something to show for it. Um, it's not the same as back when I was, in the academic world, I, you know, you, you finish up your day's work and you might have, uh, have done some research. You have, a um, some, you know, you've gained knowledge, which is exciting in its own way, but it's very different than having something physical that you can pick up and look at and turn over in your hands. And that, that's something that's like uniquely special about this kind of craft. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of the things. When you're done with a pipe, uh, do you look at it and do, do you ever look at a pipe and go, I, you know, that's perfect. 
or do you uh, do you look at a pipe when you're done with it and go, you know, I wish the wood would have given me this here, or I could have done that a little bit better. Do you, you know, how hard are, are you on yourself when you're when you're finished? Oh my with God, it? yeah, I I think I think probably most of my pipe making peers would agree with this that I I don't know that I've ever made a pipe that I look at and I see nothing wrong with um, everything, even the 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 nicest most expensive pipe i've ever made you know i look at it, i'm like ah you know i wish i'd done this a little different or that a little different i've never made one that i consider to be perfect and that's part of what keeps me going forward that's part of what keeps me you know interested in refining my work you know just shaving a little bit extra off the button here or or trying a new technique for um you know uh shaping the shoulder of a pipe uh on on this pipe and you know see uh see all the little differences that can be introduced to hopefully create a, a slightly better product uh at the end of the day do you do you take time you know yeah you've got to make you know you have to make pipes but at the same time and you've got commission lists and you've got a, a mm -hmm. style but just for fun, do you take time to experiment with new, you know, new materials, new adornments, a, you know, a new little, a new little treatment? Is it, is there ever time when mm -hmm. Jeff, the artist just gets to play and see what happens out of that playtime? Oh, for sure. For sure. And a lot of those, those experiments, you know, some of them, some of them will see the public and the other ones just end up sitting around until the idea it can be completed or maybe i'll i will start something and run out of time or attention or creativity to to chase this idea and you need to set it down to let you to, to see it with fresh eyes the next day or the next week or in some cases the next year i i had a pipe in chicago this year that i had shaped and made a mouthpiece for and it had been sitting on my workbench for 10 years <laughs> and this was this was the time and it was beautiful and i looked at it and i'm like why why didn't i finish this earlier you know there who knows what the reasons uh might have been yeah so i, so I guess sometimes you've just gotta you know the you, you get the mood or the moment and then all of a sudden the answer, mm -hmm. the answer presents itself or the, or the idea presents itself. Um, and I would assume you've also got to be careful that those ideas don't take you off on these tangents down a road. That's not going to be mm -hmm. something sellable or beneficial. Cause yeah, though you have to, you have to pursue those. You got to pull on those threads now and again, because otherwise you, you, you would never explore those ideas. There's value in exploring ideas that, that may not see the light of day. I was just talking with someone the other day about what I do. And the person was marveling at the, the expense of the materials, you know, relatively speaking, they're, they're, they're somewhat expensive. A, a block of briar can be 25 to 60 or sometimes a hundred dollars. Yeah. And to pick up, you know, a block of briar and have the courage to shape into it for something that may not be sellable, that does take some some chutzpah to to uh, to do, and it takes some time. Like for younger pipe makers who are carving block to block, or you know, batch of six blocks uh, at a time, 
they don't have the kind of freedom to do that. It's only, I would say, when you have a little more inventory like I have that I can have the the ability to just grab a block and try an idea out. And if it fails, it fails. And you don't think about the dollar signs attached to the uh, the investment of the block that you that you just flushed. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So the the only thing I can the the only way I can kind of uh, understand what you know what you do is when I sit here and do the podcast. I've I've often joked with other podcasters that I kind of try to imagine what the listener is doing while they're listening to the mm-hmm. show. And sometimes you get a bad image in your head and you got to erase that one. And and then you go back to the, sure. Yeah. You go back to the picturesque, you know, landscape of, you know, somebody sitting with their pipe. Uh, Do you sometimes wonder, all right, I'm making this and it's going to go have a life of its own. And and I'm, and I'm imagining where its life is going to go and what it's going to be doing. I, you know, I don't know that I have uh, vivid, landscapes that I'm putting it into or visions of those landscapes. But what I do have that is, is that makes some of the, the custom work that I do pretty special is I'll have someone who has an idea that they've been kicking around for a long time, or they've, they've been very patient and waited through my commission list to, for, for a pipe that they're really, really looking forward to. And it's a real privilege for me to be able to, to be able to make that for someone to make that, you know, little dream come true for someone that they had an idea or they'd seen something from my past work. They'd always wanted it. And to be able to make that for them is really, really special. And I don't lose sight of that. And I can just imagine sitting in there, you know, after work and and relaxing with something that, you know, I put a lot of time and care into and they are turning it over in their hands as they smoke it and just admiring the work and enjoying, enjoying how it is, uh, is useful for them. Or they've that brings me joy. They've commissioned a pipe for to commemorate a special moment in their life, and you mm-hmm. you got you know. Then you have to deliver on that at that time frame, but uh, it's it's challenging. It's challenging. I mean, whether it's a birthday pipe or we're celebrating the birth of a child, I've got both of those on my list for the next couple of weeks. So those are really meaningful pipes, and, and uh, to to be able to make for someone but there's also the challenge like oh this is a special occasion you better make it special yeah all right so we won't hold you up much longer because you got to get those pipes made so jeff thank you very much and uh, jason thanks for the question yeah thanks for having me and we'll be back in just a minute this is internet radio for over 150 years peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us 
Another one of the journeyman pipe smokers, the five to ten year guys, the guys that have survived the uh, tongue bite and all that stuff and figured out how to stick with us. And um, probably one of the most patient and forgiving guests I've ever had because, well, uh, you know, I goofed a couple of times. So <laughs> joining us is James Conero. James, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. It's it's an honor to, to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this for some time. You have been looking forward to it for a long time. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> and several missed emails uh, all right so let's get to know you where'd you grow up what'd you want to be when you grew up did you grow up uh, i grew up in the uh, dayton ohio area in a small town called germantown um a lot of farmers and and whatnot um in high school i was uh, a wrestler Ooh. the uh Basketball players uh, gave us a not so nice uh, nickname, and we were called uh, arm armpit sniffers. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I still kind of harbor a little bit of resentment towards uh, basketball players, um, but um, I do have a like a some a claim to fame. Um, one of the uh, guys that I wrestled against is um, Jim Jordan. And he's our um, one of our state congressmen, ah. and uh, he was. I think he went undefeated his high school and college career. Um, and on the bus on the way to the match, I didn't realize I had to wrestle him, so I was kind of like laughing at uh, some guy that I thought was going to have to wrestle him. And then the coach turned to me and said, "No, Conroe, you have to wrestle him." <laughs> and and I'm sure I all color left my entire body in my face and i probably turned as white as a ghost and i was really wasn't that great of a wrestler i had my moments so <laughs> i that, that guy was the most punishing wrestler i ever competed against he didn't just want to beat me he wanted to hurt me so uh needless to say i didn't vote for mr jordan okay good i was going to ask you that question so <laughs> i did not <laughs> <laughs> and you're never going to vote for him. I don't care what he is. No, and I think I've uh, texted him. I didn't get a response back, but um, it'd be nice to, to to get an apology from him, but I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> Do you want a rematch? Uh, yeah, I probably would try to take him on. This time I think I would try to hurt him, okay. you know, in some way. I probably would still get beat again, but I'm not going to let him get off so easily if we have a rematch. <laughs> i was just trying to survive in the in the first match i'm like i just want to get past the first period and he did finally pin me in the second period but at least i got past the first period <laughs> so uh, so what'd you what'd you end up doing since wrestling wasn't your thing uh after high school <laughs> um and i went to college in a small college in wilmore kentucky asbury um, university and, and after college, I uh, went into youth ministry and I did that for about 16 years. And, uh, after youth ministry, I went into, uh, retail sales management and did that for quite a while. And I'm currently working for a company, uh, near Germantown called Furco. And they basically make, um, parts for airline, airplane, military airplane engines. So if you ever been on the commercial airplane, our company made the parts for that engine. Well, I'll tell you what you're doing right now is, um, lifting up more people than what Jim Jordan's doing. So there you go. 
For sure. Uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, obviously we focus on quality. Um, it would never be a good thing if a plane went down and our part was the cause of it. So um, there's a little bit of pressure on all of us, obviously. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. So we have to you all <laughs> when we're doing our job. So when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your life? Um, my dad has always smoked a pipe. I think he started uh in his early 20s so i grew up around uh his pipe smoking um, i always liked the smell of the pipe um i the only time my dad didn't have a pipe in his mouth when he was in the house any other time he always had a pipe fishing mowing the grass anything and everything he was doing outside he had a pipe um my great my grandparent my grandfather and my and two of my great grandfathers smoked a pipe, but I was, you know, uh, I don't remember that. I was too young, or one of them had already passed away before I was born, so I don't have any memory of that. Um, and about 2010, uh, I was in a relationship with a woman, and she smoked cigarettes. I don't like cigarettes, never did. So I decided, well, my dad smoked a pipe. I like that, so I picked up the pipe and began smoking it, and. I think most of the time I, I had tongue bite, but I, I just wanted something to do while she was smoking her cigarettes and we were out with friends and I stuck with it. I knew nothing about pipe tobacco, you know, and my dad smokes this generic true value brand. He still does. And I, I had no idea there's anything out there <laughs> besides <laughs> what you'd find in a tobacco shop. Um, so I did that. In social settings for about five years, I'd smoke on my commute to work. Um, and when that relationship ended, I kind of dropped the pipe smoking because some of the women that I was going out with did not like any kind of a smoker. So I had, I just go home, well, see, I, I don't want to be lonely. So I dropped the pipe smoking. Yeah. And um, so I dropped that for about probably two or three years. And I started dating a woman who really didn't care whether I smoked a pipe or not, as long as I did it outside. And then I kind of picked it up again, uh, probably around 2017, uh, just commuting to work, nothing real serious. Still was experiencing the tongue bite, um, but I'm a kind of a guy that I just don't give up things very easily. Um, so I did that just primarily when I was commuting to work. Um, and then in 2022, um, last year, um, I decided I really don't remember why I decided to pick it up and try it again. But I think at that time I started like going on to YouTube and trying to educate myself and learn a little bit more about the hobby. And I began listening to your podcast and that's when the light turned on. I remember going into a tobacco shop in Indianapolis and I saw all of these tins of tobacco, and I, I had no clue what they were. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even realize that there was this much tobacco for pipe smoker. I had no clue. So as I began to listen to your podcast and listening to some of the blenders and realizing what was out there, I began to uh, sell her, you know, and I would buy two or three tins, smoke a tin, put the other two back, you know, for three years. Um so I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. Um, 
but I did like a lot of guys. I went out and bought a lot of pipes and <laughs> and learned that the difference between the sizes of the bowls and, and how that affects, you know, the, the experience and yeah. kind of, um, eased up on the gas pedal a little bit on, on those pipes and, and bought a few artisan pipes and realized the difference between those and the factory pipes. And now I'm primarily just focusing on the tobacco and experimenting, trying different blends. So th- this is a perfect example of the, uh, of the third time is a charm. Right. Yeah. Right. What are some of the YouTube channels that you, that you went to that you got, you know, that were helpful? Um, the i forget the older guy i forget what his name is he's he's the one that most everybody seems to go to i think i don't remember his name sounds like either mutton chop piper or yeah yeah it was mutton chop piper yeah um so i watched a few of his but i and you know i i'm not trying to toot your horn but i think it was your podcast that really helped me more than anything else just hearing some of the old timers share their experiences and the blenders and other guests you've you've had on the show uh, have really opened my eyes and realized that there's a uh, a really bigger world out there for the hobby. Do you remember and, uh, the one specific moment where you had that aha bowl of tobacco, or you you know where you were like, all right, this um, is <laughs> oh now I see what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think when I smoked my first bowl of autumn evening mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, man, this, this really tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I didn't really, I think maybe my little bit of experience kind of helped me with the tongue bite. I just stopped having a, the tongue bite um, yeah. experience and just, I can't tell you the last time I've had tongue bite really. Um, so I think that moment where like, I can, this is actually enjoyable and uh it's something you know that i can do while i'm outside it's just part of the relaxation moment of my day and i think last summer too it kind of boycotted baseball with what was happening with the reds and the ownership and i think i was just kind of looking for something to do and i think that was a part of it as well (laughs) and obviously my dad um has had a big influence um with me as well What's funny is I, I'll go in there in his wood shop. We usually work together on Fridays and I'll get him to try uh, some new tobacco. And it's, it's just really cool to see him enjoy some tobacco that, that he's just never, um, he would never probably have tried it on his own, but I've actually enjoyed watching him, you know, smoke something that he's, that he, you know, actually likes other than the terrible, um, <laughs> brand folks. It's called true value, which is that yeah. should have been a red flag, uh, <laughs> to begin with, yeah. with those two words. And <laughs> it's, the stuff is just awful, but I, I don't think he has much of a tongue left. I don't think he could, it's even humanly possible for him to get tongue bite at this point. And then here comes his son with all these fancy tobaccos and stuff and trying to get them all fancified. But uh, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with James. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. 
We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with james conroe who is now a bad influence on his dad and trying to elevate his dad's you know level of tobacco and you know probably ruining all the past years that your dad's been smoking a pipe so yeah i hope uh, you know I, I i understand children are supposed to cause problems in your life but, right yeah yeah he it's his habits are interesting he has about 12 pipes and they're all the same mm -hmm. and i'm like dad i'm like why do you have 12 pipes and they're all the same why don't you get some different pipes and and they're all pretty small bolts and he's like well one you know if one gets too wet i just switch to another one and and he just goes from one pipe to the next <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me guess your dad does your dad doesn't buy a lot of pipe cleaners does he uh he does use quite a few but i have shown him a couple methods where he could clean his uh stems and <laughs> uh and the bits and he's actually used used the method so i i think i've uh i've been somewhat of a good influence on him in that area but he he's not going to spend a lot of money on a pipe he never has and he never will unless i buy it for him uh, how old is your dad now uh, he's, he's seven, he'll be 79 in September. Well, I hope to be smoking whatever pipes I've got with whatever tobacco I've got when I'm 79. And if my son tells me that I'm doing it all wrong, <laughs> I'm going to tell him to stick that in his pipe and get out. Uh, all he said was when I gave him some tobacco, he says, I'll, I'll try it, but I, I don't like it when it makes me feel lightheaded. <laughs> <laughs> So he says, if I get a buzz from it, I'm not, I'm not going to smoke any more of whatever you're giving me. <laughs> so, you know, other than that, he'll try it. Uh, so how often do you smoke a pipe? Um, I smoke every day. Um, usually at two or three bowls in the evening after work, but most of my smoking is done on the weekends. You know, um, I'm off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Most of the time I'm smoking in the mornings. Um, and I probably smoke more than most people um as far as when i'm sitting down um i'd say six to eight bowls probably wow uh, yeah. so i i do get carried away sometimes all right and uh, and your wife your wife may be listening but how many <laughs> how many pipes do you own now um i own about 30 she can look and see how many pipes i have i don't i don't hide that from her i might sometimes let her know when i bought a new pipe after the fact <laughs> but um i try not to do that 
too often. Yeah. Now get rid of that pipe box and that pipe sleeve real quick and just throw the new pipe up on the rack with the other ones. And right. She, as long as I smoke outside, she doesn't really care. And, uh, we have pretty cold winters here in Ohio, as you uh, know, in your area as well. I bought a one man, um, tent and I stuck it in the corner of our porch and tied it to the, to the house. So the wind and snow wouldn't blow it away. And I got inside of that with my space heater and that's how I smoked this past winter. Hey, it's, it's the world's, (laughs) it's the world's smallest man cave. Yes. And I'm sure the neighbors seeing me go in that tent probably, you know, maybe has some questions. I don't know, (laughs) but I don't pay any attention to my neighbors. But, uh, yeah, I found a way I'm like, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to, cause I like to smoke outside. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this in the winter. How can I get by without smoking my pipe? <laughs> I found a way and it works. So, so have you, uh, have, do you have a specific style or shape of pipe that you like? Are you gravitating towards certain finishes? Um, um, I like the larger, the better, the large, um, nose warmers, um, sitters. Um, I primarily smoke those because most of my time I'm sitting down when I'm smoking and it's usually for hour two, three hours. Sometimes I'll, the only time I might smoke a smaller pipe if I'm on a walk and obviously I, I don't, I like to to, to have my jaw last for a while. (laughs) So, you know, I'll have to get something a little lighter, you know, if I'm on a, two hour walk or something, but I like, I have a lot of variety in my, in the pipes that I do have. I don't have any two of the same style. So, um, I like, I, when I look for a new pipe, I just trying to find something that I don't have already. As far as the style, I like a lot of variety. Same with my tobacco. I, I smoke about anything and everything I like pretty much. I like it all. So you're, you're, Um, you're really just taken right off after your dad, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're in some ways we're like and in others we're not this is probably one of the and i'm willing to spend a little and he, that's part of his issue i think he's he's too cheap yeah have you had a conversation with your dad about how much your tobacco and your pipes cost versus his uh yeah and he just shakes his head okay <laughs> he's like i don't think now on the other hand when it comes to fishing and what he's spent on it, there's no comparison. So he's not going to throw that in my face too often. I'll just come back with that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's open up your uh, little fishing shed and see how many poles and lures and stuff that you own. I haven't even touched the surface of what he's spent on his fishing hobbies. So <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of room to talk. So he does have his, his he's, he's got his real vice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's my, my obsession with pipe smoking. It doesn't even come close to his fishing obsession. There's no comparison. Well, I'll tell you, I'd rather sit in your tent and smoke a, and smoke a pipe while he goes out and catches the fish and then brings yeah. it back, cleans it and cooks it for me. Exactly. And my, neither my brother, or I, we don't like to fish, my, <laughs> you know, so we'll eat it, but you know, we'll let him do the work. Yeah. I've fished with him before and it's frustrating because I sit in the back of the boat and I watch him catch all the fish. So it's not exactly, you know, a lot of fun. So <laughs> it's humiliating, really. 
<laughs> All right. Speaking of speaking of fishing, um, what is the uh, the holy grail or white whale pipe for you now? What's your what what pipe? If money was no object, would you be buying right away? I think I would buy one of Julius uh, Vez. Is yeah. that how you say his last name? Yeah. Yeah, I would buy one of his probably top of the line pipes. When you had him on your show, I was really yeah. impressed. You know, with the history and what goes into his pipes i really would like to own one of his yeah just a uh, a ton of history and and really comfortable pipes for sitting and just hanging mm-hmm. out of your mouth uh might be really good for fishing but you wouldn't want to drop it in the lake no and that's probably why my dad has cheap pipes and they're all the same if he drops one he's got you know a dozen others the same so that might be part of his um philosophy i don't know <laughs> Uh, uh, so besides uh pipe smoking any other hobbies that occupy your time we know we're not we we know we're we're not going to find you out on the lake voluntarily so no um i'm in the wood shop lately Uh, i do make um custom walking staffs okay and i've made a couple for people i'm not going to retire anytime soon off of that and that's kind of got me into the wood shop and learning the the whole art of woodworking and I've made a couple other furniture pieces, um, for my, for a friend and family member. And I think my dad and I would like to get into making pipes. So that's probably what we're going to do in the next three to six months to start, you know, experimenting and, and, uh, teaching ourselves. So that's really what I like to do in my retirement is, is to make pipes. Now, when your dad makes a pipe, tell him to sell it for the same price he pays for all of his pipes. I'll be the one doing the marketing, probably. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's just going to be my associate. He'll clean the shop like he does most of the time. Yeah, so I guess guess with both of you having having some woodworking experience and workshops, (laughs) that would be perfect for you to sit out there and spin out a pipe or two. Yeah, he's he's quite the... uh, um, woodworker. He, he can do pretty much anything. So it's, it's been good for us to, to spend time together and smoke our pipes. And, and he's been teaching me quite a bit. And uh, I think I would enjoy spending my retirement in the, in the wood shop, smoking a pipe and making pipes. I really am hoping that's what I'll end up doing. Yeah. That's kind of the goal right now. Now with you being in Dayton, have you made it to the NASPC show in Columbus yet? No, um, but I know there it's, it's coming uh, it's up, coming up, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to make one of the shows at some point. Certainly. How far I is, to find, uh, how far is um, Dayton from Columbus? About an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, that's like, I grew up in Los Angeles. That's like saying you're going to the neighbors next door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, I've been in LA. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I offered you guys the chance to ask me anything you want. So, uh, now it's your turn. Fire away. Okay. First question. Do you think it's a good idea to use non-toxic compressed air to clean out pipe stems or the tenons or the bolt? Yeah, I had, I, uh, I think I, I put that out for people and Uh, I haven't got Yeah, I haven't gotten any responses on it yet, but I don't see oh. any problem with that. Um, right, right. I, I just don't think if, you know, as long as it's a 
uh, vulcanite, ebonite, that kind of stem, and it's a Delrin tenon. Right. Uh, if you were doing it on some antique stuff where they were still using like albatross or you know some sort of bone tenons, um, I wouldn't want to do that. And I think as long right. as it, you know, as long as it's modified, um, right. I've got a uh, I've got an electronic air gun that's you know supposed to be for mm -hmm. your keyboards here. So I, you know, cleaned one of my pipes and shot some air through it, and it got a couple of fuzzies out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that would be a problem. I think you got to make sure that none of the that that the compressed air cans don't have any propellants in them, or right, right. any chemicals. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it works really good. I mean, I I don't know why I thought about doing it, but it it, it really does the trick. I don't think it would. I don't think it would replace. You know, a good bristle cleaner and some and some grain alcohol going through there first, but I think it would be good to do that afterwards because you you need okay. you, you need the solvent of the of the alcohol to break down any tars that might still be there. Um, right, that's good. Yeah, and the bristles work. Yeah, the, the bristles help right. agitate them too. So, uh, right, okay, might be uh, might also be really good to kind of help dry out the pipe after you've done that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, shoot yeah. shoot all that stuff just just don't shoot it at somebody that you like or at a <laughs> or at a flame right i usually don't have people sitting close to me when i'm smoking they know better so yeah, <laughs> yeah. um the next question is kind of a two-parter who's huh? your favorite celebrity pipe smoker and then my uh, second part of that is how much credit should be given to bing crosby for influencing the hobby oh my favorite celebrity pipe smoker. Uh, you, you know, I think, well, I, I'm going to call him a celebrity, even though he's an author, but uh, Tolkien would have to be my favorite of the celebrity pipe smokers, just because pipe smoking was an important part of his life, as well as several of the characters that he wrote. Right, um, right. And, and the way he described how the hobbit weed would you know affect people and how valuable it was and stuff like that just you know mm -hmm. just really kind of elevated it for me even though the first time i read the lord of the rings i think i was 11 or 12 um yeah. so that wasn't you know <laughs> in the uh, 11 or 12 uh, you know late late 70s early 80s the only thing that i thought people and kids should really put in a pipe was some other leaf right um and i've had that question and people will say what's in that pipe uh just pipe tobacco yeah i'm sorry to disappoint you but that's all it's in there yeah that's the uh the most common response that i get now is what's really in that pipe um <laughs> it, 10 years ago it used to be oh i remember my grandfather used to smoke a pipe I, yeah well okay great <laughs> um, right yeah i hope he does i get that too yeah i've had people stop me on the bike path because i i like to walk and smoke my pipe which i learned that that's actually actually has a name to it. it's called lunting yeah when you hike and smoke your pipe so i did not know that but i've been doing it and i didn't know what it was called yeah i call it irritating the health you know the health nuts when you're out on a walk with a pipe and you're puffing <laughs> yeah, away it and does kind of look funny i guess yeah <laughs> there i'm out walking and exercising leave me alone yeah. 
<laughs> right. Uh, it does help during the summertime, though, to keep the mosquitoes away and keep some insects away because sure. they don't like the smell sure. of the burning stuff. But I remember one time I was on a ski trip with the students, and I actually saw somebody skiing down a slope with a cigarette in, in their mouth. And I'm like, okay, I've seen everything now. <laughs> I like when I'm on, I like when we're on the highway and you see a motorcycle rider that's got the big windshield and the big beard and stuff. And he's got a cigarette stuck in his face. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, that's, uh, you really have to want to do something, I guess. Try yeah. To pull that off. I don't want to pull over. I'm going to get four puffs out of this before it starts burning me, but okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so interestingly enough, I think for, you know, with my perspective of Bing Crosby, I think he was such a pipe smoker that he didn't look like he was smoking a pipe. Uh, right. It just looked so, it looked so natural on him that mm -hmm. you just didn't notice it was, you know, even the, even the Bing shape was kind of long and sleek and elegant. Like he looked when he was dancing. Uh, right. You know, or when he was singing, he just looked so elegant. Um, I think it's, you know, you just don't see. Yeah. If, if Elvis had been a, had maintained a full-time pipe smoker or, you know, mm -hmm. if Sherlock Holmes, you know, you, you have people that want to dress up like that. Right. Uh, it's hard to dress up like Bing Crosby because that's just elegant. And right. And when, right. you know, when he put that pipe in his mouth, it just went in that spot and was there and, mm -hmm. yeah, and it, and it fit his hand perfectly. So it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't an affectation. It was just part of him. Uh, right. I mean, a lot of the ads, photos, you see him with a pipe and, and I can, I'm sure that had to have some sort of an influence on the culture at the time. I found that. A uh, photo of my grandfather smoking, my dad's dad smoking a pipe, and, and that's the only picture we have of him smoking. And my dad does not remember his father smoking a pipe, and it was about the time of, you know, during Bing's era. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe, you know, that influenced him to pick up the pipe, and and I don't know why he stopped. My dad thinks his mother probably got him to stop smoking it, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, about uh, about six years ago, we were cleaning out a uh, we were cleaning out my grandmother's house after she had passed away, and we found a picture of her father, so my great grandfather, who I actually knew because he he died when I was uh, seventeen or eighteen, and yeah. I, we actually found a picture of him smoking a pipe. He was sitting at a slot machine in Las Vegas, mm. and it had to be in the seventies or you know, yeah seventies or eighties because it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't an old picture, but I put it on Facebook years ago. But it's the only picture that I have of him smoking a pipe, and the pipe's just hanging out of his mouth naturally. And he turned towards the camera and smiled. And that was yeah. th that was the other thing was to find a picture of him smiling. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he he was born in the eighteen nineties, and yeah, there wasn't right. a lot of smiling, but uh, yeah. wasn't much to be happy about back then. I don't think. No, you know? no. So. I guess not. All right, James, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes. So what is your favorite pipe? Um, I have a Calabash that was made by Mike Couch, and it is awesome. It is beautiful. And I've had a lot of compliments when, I'm out, when I've been out in public smoking it. And I also like the fact that I can take the lid off of it 
and blow through it and get all the moisture out, shake it a few times and put the cap back on it. So I, I kind of like that feature yeah. about it as well. I can do something with the moisture, you know, without a pipe cleaner. And what is so your favorite? That's my favorite pipe. What is your favorite tobacco? Um, Cornell and Deals Autumn Evening. And what is your favorite drink? Um, I like to drink Coke Zero with my pipe smoking. There you go. I'm not much of an alcohol guy other than yeah. with a, I might have a beer with a steak or something, but I do like my Coke Zero with my pipe. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, definitely music. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Um, I, it's kind of a scary thing, but <laughs> I had bought a poker um, from an artisan. It was made out of uh, mortar wood. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and smoked a bowl and... I'm like, wow, that, that is really, that bowl is really hot. So I let it cool off, emptied it, tried it again. Same thing. It was just so warm. I'm like, well, this, this is an issue. I don't, I don't know what's going on. So I thought I'd let it cool. And I put it uh, on my desk, uh, in my study and walked away and went upstairs. And my wife is like, I smell something burning. Oh, and I'm no. like, Oh my gosh. I said, I, I, I ran outside thinking I left my pipe outside and I'm like, Nope. I looked around and I'm like, well, it's, oh, that's right. I left it on my desk and I went in and it was red. The <laughs> oh, bowl no. was on fire. There was a hole and smoke was coming out of it. And I grabbed it as fast as I could. I wasn't that far from the kitchen sink and, and put it in the sink and poured water on it. And that thing, I'm like, uh, I don't, I'm, is this normal? <laughs> I didn't think that it was. So I contacted the artist, uh, the pipe maker, and, and he was shocked that, that it happened. And he ended up contacting his supplier, you know, was like, what happened? And the only explanation the supplier had was he must have just got a bad piece of mortar wood. Yeah. And so fortunately he sent me another replacement and this time it was made out of briar and I made sure I was like, I don't want any more mortar pipes after that experience. <laughs> so that, that was, thank goodness my wife noticed or that pipe man had burned down the house. That would have been, uh, not good. Uh, and that probably would have been the end of my pipe smoking days or, or my marriage, one or the other. So, you know, I've had a couple of mortar pipes in my life, and every time I've had one, they've changed the way the tobacco tastes so dramatically that I just mm. got rid of them because I was like, I, yeah. yeah, they smoked fine, but I was like, I just, I can't deal with the way they taste different. So, yeah, uh, I've learned my lesson. I'll never go <laughs> to that again. So, but uh, yeah, so I got a better pipe actually uh, than the mortar pipe. So I came out ahead on that one. There you go. James, yeah. thank you very much for your patience and putting up with me, and thanks for coming on and uh, and Brian, visiting with us. Brian, it's been a pleasure, and I just want to thank you for the for the show and for your work. And it's definitely my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. Thank you for having me. Hey, you're welcome, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. 
From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, the show that apparently will influence, uh, will, will cause you to influence your father poorly. So just try not to do that, please. Um, all right, this week for music, we are going back to Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, just, I, I don't know. I Every time I hear him play, I think, God. Um, anyway, this one is a, uh, this one was recorded live in, uh, 1980 and it's they call me guitar hurricane
And while Stevie Ray gets a lot of credit, man, listen to the band that's playing behind him. Wow. Oh, my God. You've got mail. You bastard. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com, just like Dino does every week. And uh, going back to last week's show with myself and Sykes, which I do have to say, I, that was probably the most self-indulgent show I've ever we've ever put out, and that was you know, purely it was purely therapeutic for me. But uh, Dino says your memorial show for Satos Mio, which is the uh, correct that's the proper Japanese order to say it. Sato is his family name, and Mio is his first name. We in the Western world would say Smio Sato. Uh, was a wonderfully respectful, insightful, and fascinating look at this pipe master through the eyes and remembrances of two friends. Nice job, Sykes and Brian. As we Greeks say, may his memory be eternal. Perfect choice of music. My advice to critics, don't stone it if you can't own it. <laughs> that sounds like some hippie thing, Dino. Uh, then, he, uh, th- then he says, thanks for a thoughtful show, Dino. And uh, Casey Ghost says, enjoyable show. Brian and Sykes reminiscing about someone they really admired was quite touching. It is always sad when we lose someone you thought a lot of. I think the only phrase other than the ones you covered is sayonara, which means goodbye or so long in Japanese. Yasuraka ni nimuru sato. And then he goes on to say, I guess we can refer to Brian as Brian-san from now on. Uh, the music wasn't bad. When it comes to complaining, I seriously doubt anybody can match the entitled Among Us or the Karens. Yeah, well, Karens. I might be married to one. Oh, don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, and then uh, Dave Peterson says, uh, Sad news, but I really enjoyed listening in on your conversation with Sykes. This was one of my favorite episodes of the Pipes Magazine Radio. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see your Sato collection and other groups at our collector's showcase. This is a great opportunity to show off and see some outstanding pipes. I really want the collector's showcase to be a can't miss event every year. Uh, Dave of the Vegas pipe show.com. Yeah. Um, and then Renfield says, I was sorry to hear he'd passed. His pipes have a unique style and are beautiful. You and Sykes did a fine job of eulogizing Sato. I'm sure he would feel honored to be remembered as fondly as he is, both for his craft and for who he was as a person, Renfield. Yeah, I think he would. I think he'd be more more wanting to be remembered for what for his craft, but uh and then uh Andy SC83 says, Hi, Brian. Uh, I'm sorry to hear of Sato's passing. Listening to you and Sykes reminisce about your time with Sato was bittersweet. Also, you can never go wrong with sticks as a music choice. Yeah. Uh, well, some of their stuff I'm not a big fan of, but yeah, thanks. And Arrow English says, A really great episode about a really great man. You guys honored him well. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it was a, uh, it was a tough episode. And then we have, uh, from, uh, from Mr. Spike, uh, Mrs. Spike's driver and, you know, chauffeur, uh, Spike says that was a great tribute to, uh, Sato from you and Sykes. I'm remotely familiar with his work, 
but you both revealed he was a great artisan and more so a gracious and dignified man. I know you'll miss I know you'll both miss him. May he rest in peace. On a more uplifting note, Mrs. Spike and I just watched your YouTube talk with Captain Kirk and appreciate the shout out. We were having dinner outside and she stepped inside when you mentioned us. I started yelling to her and she ignored me until I replayed this that part. After 40 years of marriage, I can't understand her. I can understand her ignoring me, but she was appreciative of both of you remembering our time together. Yeah, I was on another YouTube channel. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Kevin writes, not our, not Kevin Godby, because Kevin Godby doesn't write to me. He just yells. Uh, Hi, Brian. First of all, love the show. Keep up the great work. Now to my question. I've seen this pop up in some forums and wanted to get the opinion of an expert when it comes to using Mylar bags for tobacco storage as opposed to jars. Seems like it could cut down on a lot of space, but I'm curious about the differences long term. Thanks, Kevin. All right. So, Kevin, here's my thing. Uh, going back to my time with Peter Stokeby International, we used Mylar bags and we said that they had about a five year length of, you know, five years of time before you had to, before you had to do something with the bag, you had to take it out or do something. The difference between, uh, and my concern with Mylar or anything that you pack down is what really helps the aging of the tobacco is the air in the, in the inside there so if you really want to age it you want to pack it in a jar you want to pack it loose enough so that there is some air to work around and let that air do its job on the tobacco and let it age so mylar you know the the uh the peter stokeby company said five years and then it starts to break down and uh, i like to have air inside there so the glass jars work a lot better for that and you can also look in there and see how juicy it's getting and how tasty it is. So that's my opinion. And after all, I am the leading expert on my opinion. And you're going to get some of my opinion coming up in the rant time, which is next. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
Last week's rant reminded me it might be time to update the uh, list of companies that need to get letters from us or emails from us, and that includes Starbucks, which needs to get letters from us about banning smoking from all their patio areas, even where it's permitted by local law. Uh, the other one is CVS, of course, and you know if you can walk to go to Walgreens, don't go to CVS, bypass CVS completely because they said, oh, they're caring, they care about your health. Uh, except for all the candy, can, you know, the candy and all that crap. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the other one is the uh, is the wonderful Walt Disney Company, who took all the smoking areas outside of their parks here in the United States. And as I hear it lately, that uh, attendance is down in the Florida parks, and it could be because you know nobody wants to go there in the super hot heat, and nobody wants to be forced to smoke out by the buses. Uh, the other company, while you're ta- while you're looking at amusement parks, is uh, Cedar Fair, which uh, Cedar Fair owns the Carowinds near me, and all the uh, and a whole bunch of the Cedar Fair parks. Uh, they, that includes Knott's Berry Farm, Kings Island, Kings Dominion. Uh, it, they if if there's a local uh, large amusement park that's not a Six Flags near you, they may own it. So send them a letter and tell them. Uh, speaking of uh, Columbus this weekend, well, I would have gone to the Columbus Zoo, but they don't allow smoking on their property anywhere, not even in the parking lot. So guess what? You know, I sent them a letter last year. I may send them another email to uh, this week and tell them, you know, I was in Columbus and I didn't go to your zoo because you don't provide a smoking area for me. So forget you. Uh, the only way these companies are going to get the word is if you keep emailing them and sending them messages, and maybe, maybe one or two of them will change their ways. Uh, if you know of a company that has banned smoking from their properties or you know treats smokers like lepers, let me know. All right, email it to me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, in the meantime, the Palace Station in Las Vegas is uh, plenty smoking-friendly, including a smoking floor of hotel rooms, which is getting rarer and rarer to find in Las Vegas, and a place for us to do a pipe show indoors where you can smoke anywhere you want. So, All right. Uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Thank you to Jeff for joining me. Thank you to James for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Your tongue prettier than a $20 whore.